tuning in to the Upper Room Podcast. Hey, Upper Room, Peter Lewis here, and I'm really excited for you to listen to this week's message. I was so deeply moved by Christine Kane's word last week. God really began to minister to some disappointment and sickness in my heart, particularly as it relates to Jesus as a healer and one who delivers uh, people with his power. Um, And so I just process that. We explore that. um, And I think it's really going to encourage you and hopefully build your faith um, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Love you guys. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. Thank you, worship team, J. Lou, Elissa, where you guys are. That was beautiful. If you have your Bibles open to Matthew 15. How many of you were here last Sunday morning with Christine Kane? Oh, you missed it. You need to watch it. It was um, really profound. I'm going to share just what God did in my heart, and we'll hop into the Word. But um, I wanted to wish our founder and fearless leader, Michael Miller, a happy birthday today. Can we look at a camera somewhere and bless him? Lord, we command a blessing. Come on, look at a camera. Find any camera. This one right here. Just y'all find one too. Stretch your hands off. Michael, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We declare that this year will be the best one yet. Uh, full of longings fulfilled, health, joy, gladness in every area of your life. We love you, bro. Amen, amen, amen. Aren't we thankful for the Millers, particularly Michael Miller? Amazing, amazing man of God. I've known him for now, I don't know, over 13 years, and he's like a fine wine. He just keeps getting more and more like Jesus with age, and so super grateful for his life and um, just the way he leads this house and so many other houses. You know, God is using him. Uh, mightily to speak into the body of Christ at large. And so um, let us, uh, I think sometimes we can get familiar with the people we know. Um, And we need to remember that God has anointed him uh, and he's speaking to the global body of Christ. And we get to have him here week in and week out leading us uh, as a team. And um, it's just really, really special um, to have that. I'll never forget, I, I used to play pro soccer. And so my son is playing and I joined up with another guy who used to play pro soccer in Argentina, and we were coaching my son and my dad. My dad was talking to my son, and he said, hey, do you realize how privileged you are? And he was like, and he goes, no, you don't. <laughs> He's like, you can't know, um, because he just can't, he couldn't fathom that, you know, his dad played pro, and this other guy played pro, and he's teaching him soccer. But I I feel that way about Michael. God is using him as a global voice, and we have him in our house week in and week out, and um, it is such a joy. And so just encourage you, if your heart gets crusty or you start getting disgruntled, just humble it. Let it be washed. Um, Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you that it's living and it's active, and we pray this morning that um, your word would pierce our hearts, um, that you would cut away uh, hope deferred that's made our hearts sick, that you would heal us um, through uh, the preaching of your word, um, that you would cause the rivers of living water to flow in and through our hearts, God, not just for ourselves, but for those around us who need uh, divine life, who need uh, a touch from you. 
And so, Lord, we love you, we honor you, um, and we tremble at your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> so last week, um, I was in a, man, I was in a funk. Any of you come to church in a funk? <sighs> I've been, um, who said never? Oh, that. <laughs> I, um, man, I had been, I've been battling sickness for about a month, about, a, I don't know, a month ago, I had a really weird health scare, got some virus, ended up passing out. Christy thought I died. It was like a whole thing. And, um, and it was so intense. We're kind of, we laugh about it now, but um, it was really intense. And if you've been around the upper room, uh, we've experienced a lot of loss recently. Um, a lot of very painful things have happened in our community um, of just death and sickness and disease. And, um, and, and I didn't realize, but as Christine was talking and she was preaching out of Genesis 3, she she started unearthing this lie of the enemy that we all know, but when she said it, it was like, how many of you know when you're in that funk and you know the truth, but you can't really do anything with your heart because your heart just feels helpless and you're like, I'm in a funk and I, you know, whatever. You may be there this morning. <clears throat> and I was, that, I, was, I was in that place. I was kind of like, I can't make my heart any different than it is right now. It's sick. And I knew it was sick. And, and when she said that phrase out of Genesis 3, did God really say? I realized in a moment, how many of you know when one thing God has spoken, a million things have I heard? <laughs> you know when he speaks one word and then there's like this unfolding inside of you and you hear about like a whole narrative in, a, in an instant? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like you hear a word and then in a moment you have like a 10 minute conversation with God and he's like unpacks the depths of your heart with the one word. Do y'all know what I'm saying? And that happened to me. And in a moment, I realized that I was carrying a tremendous amount of disappointment um, around the topic of Jesus's healing and deliverance ministry. Um, and, and part of the reason I was carrying so much disappointment um, is because uh, in my life personally, there's a ton of prophetic promise that I would walk as a healing revivalist, that God would use me to see people healed and delivered. Um, so I have personal promise over my life in that regard, and some of that's connected to my just my life and my history and what I've experienced. And um, but I also believe that Upper Room, also as a house, has a prophetic destiny. That as we're known for worship, as people know us for worship and loving on God, I believe we're also intended to be known as a house of healing as a house of deliverance. Um, early days in the upper room, uh, we were marked, our gatherings were marked by prophetic words and by healings and signs and wonders. Um, and it wasn't because we knew what we were doing, it wasn't because we were super smart, it was just God was moving and we were hungry. And, and so I spent years of my life uh, studying in the scriptures, trying to understand the will of, the God, will of God as it pertains uh, to healing. I mean, I realize this is a very sensitive topic for some. I realize there's a lot that are maybe still grieving uh, about the loss we've experienced in this community. And what I'm sharing this morning is not uh, in conflict with that. It is not, uh, the, they're not competing truths, revelations. I love about the kingdom. You can have two seemingly um, different revelations of God and they don't compete with each other. And humility holds them in tension. I'll say it again, humility holds two opposing truths of the kingdom in tension. 
And so we have, to, we have to maintain a posture of humility. Is it right and biblical to grieve loss? Yes, and the Holy Spirit comforts you. Is it also right and biblical and true to believe that God raises the dead? Now that creates some conflict. And so I want to look this morning uh, at the life of Jesus um, and, and, and study uh, his life as a healer, as a deliverer, um, and hopefully open our hearts again to believe uh, what the word says. I loved what the, the worship team was doing this morning. They were appealing to the word of God. Um, I don't, uh, Elissa was doing these hand motions at once and it really moved my, I don't know where she went. She was singing, even when I can't see it, you're working. And I don't know if you saw, but she pointed to her Bible. She goes, even when I can't feel it, she pointed to her heart, you're working. And she pointed to her Bible. And what was so profound and stuck out to me about Christine Kane's word is the power of the word of God to cut away the disappointment of that which we haven't seen. And God said, did, so, so for me last week, he said, did I really say heal the sick? Did I really say cast out devils? Did I really say to people raise the dead? Did I really say all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Did I really say that anyone, anyone who says he abides in me will walk just like Jesus? Did I really say that he who believes in me greater works will he do? Did I really say this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Did I really say that? Did I really teach you to pray that? And he began to, he began to confront me only as a loving father can do with the truth and the reality of his word. And so I began to just read this week, and I wasn't in particular, I, I repented last week, and I just said, God, I, 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 need, you to, I need you to cleanse the disappointment. I need you to, to help my heart, and, uh, but I'm willing. Now, how many of you know it just starts with a willing heart? Once you see it, it was like there was a grace to say, okay, you said follow me, and I don't get to decide where to go. You tell me where to go. I'm trusting that if you're here upper room this morning, if you're watching online, that you've heard Jesus say, follow me, and that is our calling. We don't, get to, we don't get to say where Jesus goes. If he says, follow me into a healing ministry, we must follow. We can, uh, I don't really like that. That's weird. Hey, follow me into a deliverance ministry. Mm, that's weird. And I believe we need to, church, I believe we need to revisit some of these things. Maybe some of you are familiar with this. Maybe some of you don't know anything about this. You wonder what the will of God is, but I believe God this morning, um, I believe he wants to put hope in us that Jesus the healer, and Jesus the deliverer is gonna manifest himself in our midst, not just today, but I believe there's an invitation for the body of Christ at large to grow up in maturity into this revelation. Amen? All right. Are you in Matthew 15? Uh-oh. Are you in Matthew 15? Say amen when you're there. 
I want you to go there. I know they're going to put it on the screen, but I don't know what they're going to put on the screen. And I want you, if you have your Bible, open to Matthew 15. I'm going to paraphrase a few. Uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of skim over a few things. Um, you may want to study this later. This is going to be deep and beautiful and good. Matthew 15, the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they said, why do your, why do you, your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Your version may say when they eat bread. Mine says eat, but some versions say when they eat bread. So the Pharisees were teaching the tradition of the elders was that you had to wash your hands before you eat bread. This was a, this was a, a tradition. And what was happening was the disciples were eating bread, say eating bread, without washing their hands. And this frustrated the Pharisees. Why? Because the theology of the day said you are not allowed to eat bread without washing your hands. Okay? So that's step number one. Jesus gets riled up. He's like, why? <laughs> He's, Jesus is awesome. Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And he just goes in on these guys. Then he begins to teach in verse 10. If you jump to verse 10, he says, guys, I want you to hear and understand. Say hear and understand. Hear and understand. A lot of believers hear the word of God, but we don't understand. I want to tell you this morning, there is power in common understanding. Church, Jesus intended his body to have a common understanding about him and his kingdom. We don't get to have our own, own, I don't, as a preacher and teacher, I don't get to have my own understanding of God. I have to have God's understanding of God, and you don't get to have your version. Truth is not truth. Truth is Jesus. Love is not love. Love is Jesus. And so we have to humble ourselves under Jesus and submit what we think we know to what he reveals to us. There is power in a common understanding. The moment we lose our common understanding, this is where denominationalism, this is where we get fractured and we forsake our authentic witness in the earth that we are a people who belong to God and we have one head, his name is Jesus. I'm not the head of the church. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> wow. And so we all get to humble ourselves. But listen, some of us have traditions and we break the commandment of God because we have traditions. So he says, hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. Oh, this is awesome. Some people, and I don't, you can, you can, <laughs> you can interpret what I'm saying and twist it, but hear what Jesus is saying. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. I know in this case, he's talking about the washing of hands. But I believe in 2023, it has to do with some people's obsession with their diet. There is a tremendous amount of fear about what people eat. There's fear. What's in that? God's awesome. You know what? Can I just tell you something about your body? He created you with a system called a stomach that expels that which is not helpful for you. 
This is biblical. You, some of you are like, mm, I'm, a, I'm a scientist. Well, I'm, I'm a student of the Word of God. Look at what it says. Those are not against each other. The disciples came and said to him, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Something tells me he didn't care. <laughs> he doubles down. He's like, hey, every plant that my father didn't, has not planted will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They're blind guides. Wow, this is intense. And then look at verse 15. Peter, God bless him. Uh, Jesus, can you explain this to us? Can you explain? <laughs> and look at Jesus. I think Jesus maybe didn't have his coffee that morning. <laughs> Are you also still without understanding? I mean, G Peter, I think Peter does, hey, can you explain this to me? I love it when my kids say, can you explain it to me? And he's like, Do you, really? You need me to explain this to you? And, and, and Jesus was a little, a little perturbed with his follower for not understanding what he was saying. So Jesus places a premium on teaching and understanding. We can't just come to church and go, oh, yeah, I think I got it. Yeah, yeah, amen, hallelujah. Let me shout some more. No, no, no. He places a premium on us hearing and understanding what he says. When Jesus says something, there's a point behind what he says, and he wants a common understanding. And when we don't understand it, we've now missed the point for why he spoke. Jesus doesn't waste words. He's not just throwing words around. He's saying, okay, so he unpacks it. I can't get hung up here. Y'all don't let me get hung up here. We gotta get to the feeding of the loaves. We gotta get to the mountain of healing and the leaven of the Pharisees. If I don't get there, yell at me, okay? Say, go faster. Huh. Do you not, verse 17, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth, here it goes, scientific, passes into the stomach and is expelled? Jesus is a GI doctor. The mouth, stomach, whew, out it goes. He's saying that cannot defile your body. Oh, come on. We don't, no, come on. He's saying that cannot defile you. You can't be unclean. I'm not saying eat trash. Y'all hear me. I'm saying that, that trash can't defile your spirit. You're a temple. Take care of it. Work out. Eat clean. Praise God. I'm not saying that. You know, like, some of y'all are looking at me funny. He's saying it can't make you unclean. Look. Watch this, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from where? And this defiles a person. So biblically, you tie in Proverbs 18, the power of life and death is in the tongue and those who love it eat its fruit. So biblically, your heart, what's in your heart, comes out of your mouth, produces fruit, and that fruit you end up eating. Your words produce fruit. 
and that fruit has to be consumed. If you're speaking death, if you're speaking jealousy, if you're speaking comparison, if you're speaking fear, it produces little fruits called fear and jealousy. This is why the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue and it produces fruit. And that fruit that comes out not only can defile you, but it can defile those around you. What you say matters. It's not the point of the sermon, but it's important. So you've, you, you now jump. All of this chapter in Jesus' life was connected. I've learned over the years of study, Jesus doesn't give us sections random. He's not playing ping pong with us. He's not going, hey, come over here and come over there. He's actually builds line upon life, line, truth upon truth. He's a wonderful architect. And when he gives us chapters and in, in portions of his life, you ever wondered, why did he give us this portion? Why did he give us this detail? So he goes from Pharisee saying, you've got to wash to do what? Eat bread. Then he says, guys, it's not about what you eat that defiles you. It's about what comes out of you that defiles you. And then you have a Canaanite woman. He goes into uh, the region of Tyre and Sidon, and this Canaanite woman who theologically in that day was unclean. Everyone say unclean. So to the Jew, the Gentiles were unclean, which meant they were not allowed to receive the blessings of Israel. And some of you are like, well, that's harsh. That was the system of the day notwithstanding a few exceptions, okay? So you have to understand this. A Canaanite woman comes and she says this. She says, O Lord, uh, she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. So we don't get the symptoms of this daughter, but we know that a demon was oppressing her daughter, okay? This is point number one. A lot of the affliction and oppression that, it, that we are experiencing in the body of Christ is connected to demons. This is Bible 101, okay? Psychologists, people, they don't have answers for a lot of things. They're like, where does anxiety come from? We don't really know. Where does torment, well, we don't really know. And they begin to kind of piece around but the Bible teaches us that we live in a world at war and that there are unclean spirits that try to steal, kill, and destroy the abundant life of Christ. We okay now? We still okay? In 2006, I was battling lust, had an addiction in my life, sexual addiction to pornography. And I didn't have a grid for this. And I kept doing what I didn't wanna do. Anyone been there? I was doing what I didn't wanna do. I felt powerless against the thing. And I went to a meeting like this, and I've shared this before, but I encountered the power of God, and I was delivered. On that day, March 7th, 2006, God delivered me, and I have been free. There was no, like, I understand. See, some people hear this, and we, we think that Jesus' deliverance ministry and automatic healing ministry somehow diminishes the process. I'm fine with the process. I'm just not going to make an idol of it. 
Can we, can we not make an idol of the process? Some things may take a process. They may take a process. I don't want to make an idol of a process if Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? I actually have my power available to set you free today, to heal you today. What if you didn't need, and again, I'm, oh, y'all hear my heart. Remember, it's humility that we hold these things in tensions. I'm not popping off, but I feel in my heart Jesus is wanting to, he wants us to know his heart as a healer and a deliverer. As a church, we can't afford to pick fights that Jesus didn't pick, but when you read your Bible, I see Jesus picked fights with devils and sickness. You can't say he's, he's neutral towards sickness or devils. You can't say he's apathetic or doesn't care about sickness or devils. And we have it on our wall. His presence transforming lives. This is a hallmark of this house. And I want to tell you, church, upper room, I believe that two, there are two distinct, discernible ways that the presence of Yeshua transforms our lives. Number one, Romans 12, one to two, we are transformed. That's the word, transformed, metamorphosis, butterfly, caterpillar to butterfly. We are transformed, how? By the renewing of our mind. So, so number one way the presence of Yeshua transforms our lives is when we get with the living God and we open his word and we begin to think and act like Jesus. If you are not, if you've come here for a year and you don't think and act more like Jesus, you didn't, you didn't get it. The presence didn't transform you. You can come here and get excited about music, but if you don't start thinking like Jesus and acting like Jesus and walking like Jesus, his presence is not transforming you. We need to put meat on this bone. You need to put some meat on the bone. And if you're gonna come and you're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna, I wanna be a part and I wanna walk in this, we're covenanting with Jesus to think more like him, to act more like him, to walk more like him. And how do you do that? Oh, is that hard? No, no, no. You submit yourself to the Word of God. But listen, if you read the Word of God without the presence of God, you're not, you can't read the Word of God. <laughs> he gives you permission. Read this with Him. You read this with Him. <laughs> you read, what did you mean by that? Have you ever read like that? You read the, whoa, 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 why did you do that? He's literally a living commentary that I think most Christians don't ever experience or enjoy. They're like, let me, let me Google the commentary. He is the commentary. Let him commentate on his own life. I'm so serious. I am so serious. Wow, Jesus, you seem so frustrated with your God. Why, why were you so frustrated? And now you start having a conversation. You know why he was frustrated? Because he cares. Oh, so number one, you need to know this. The presence of Jesus transforming you looks like your mind being renewed, which means you stop thinking like the world, you stop thinking selfishly, and you start thinking like Jesus. You start acting like Jesus, and your, your wanter starts wanting like Jesus. That's number one. Number two, I believe, I'm gonna submit this to you biblically, the second way Jesus' is presence transforms our life is through healing and deliverance. I believe it is at the top of the list of, of what he intended when he promised a transformed life. It's that the people of God would experience healing, 
and deliverance. This is connected to salvation. How many of you, raise your hand, if, a, if, if, we, if I preach the gospel and, and, and a sinner comes up, and they're like, I'm a sinner, I wanna be born again, raise, by show of hands, how many of you believe that person will be born again and go to heaven when they die? If they come forward, they say, I believe in God, Jesus is my Lord. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Does, I wanna see if you believe. Raise your hand like you believe someone's gonna be born again. Awesome. Awesome. Now let's say we bring a person who is crippled, they cannot walk. I don't know if you've ever seen it, if you've been to Africa, I know they're here too, they're crippled. How many of you believe that, that today, this moment, they say, I wanna be healed, that they're gonna, they're gonna leave this place walking? Raise your hand. Okay, not, not quite as unanimous, and probably a lot of hands are thinking, I should raise my hand, because he set me up, but I don't, I, I'm just gonna say the right answer. Come on, if that was you, raise your hand. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> Why is that? Because we've disconnected his healing ministry, his deliverance ministry from Calvary, from the atonement. The same price that paid for them to go to heaven paid for them to be healed and delivered. We can't, we can't parse it out. You can't say, well, I think he paid for that, but not for that. That's not yours to decide. We don't get to decide as a people what we think God paid for or didn't pay for. If he heals anyone supernaturally, he's healed them all. How? By the stripes upon his back. The stripes upon Jesus' back are once and for all payment for healing. So then, so now it's like, it's like chess, right, for your heart. You're like, you're like getting hemmed in and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm with you. But then you're hemming in this disappointment and this, uh, many of you just popped up and you said, well, but what about, and you pointed to some earthly, some earthly experience of loss. And I'm okay with that tension. I think the Lord is too. But don't, let's not just wipe the board clean. Let's let him hem us in with his truth and his heart and his presence, amen? All right, look at this. So this woman, she says, have Mercy, my daughter's oppressed by a demon. 23, he didn't answer her a word. His disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, Lord. She's crying out after us. So she goes to Jesus, cries out. He doesn't say anything. Can you picture this? <laughs> He's like the man, the healer. She's like, Lord! She's, this is a scene, y'all. She's crying. And he just seemingly, not seemingly, he ignores her. And then she goes to the ministry team. She's like, what about you guys? Can you do anything? And she's so persistent with them that they go to her and it's like, can you get her to stop praying to us, reaching out to us? <clears throat> and then he finally looks at her and he says, listen, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying this, Lord, help me. And he answered, listen to Jesus, to the Canaanite woman. It's not right to take what? Children's bread. Listen to that phrase. What was children's, what was she seeking? Healing, deliverance, it's all in there. You guys, it's all right. She was seeking healing. 
He says, it's not right to take the children's bread. Who was the children in this phrase? Israel. So God told his son, I need you to only go to Israel. Time for the Gentiles is not yet. The Gentiles wouldn't come until Acts 10. Come on. So he says, you can only, son, you can only go. Keep your head straight. I need you to go through Israel because my promises are to Israel. The gospel is for the Jew first. Oh, come on. Jesus doesn't just haphazardly, just because he's a healer, he can't, he's like, no, no, my father said. My dad said, I gotta go through Israel. He made a promise to Israel. The Jew, Jew first. Jesus is like, I'm committed to that. So he's walking, he's like, Canaanite, nope. I gotta go to the Jew first. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He calls the woman a dog. I don't know about you, that feels like a no. <laughs> that feels like a no to my prayer. Jesus said no. He said no. He said no. He actually called me a dog. I think I upset him and he called me a dog. <clears throat> this woman is my hero. What did this woman know of Jesus? That the theology of the day, her consciousness of the man transcended the theology of the day. And she says, I don't care to be a child at your table. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for a crumb. Because dogs eat crumbs. And I'm fine. If that's where I'm at in the narrative, Lord, I don't mind being a dog. I don't even need the bread. Just give me a crumb. I know who you are. Huh. It's what comes out of the heart. What came out of her heart? Faith. Ha. Huh. See, See, he teaches what comes out of the heart has something to do with it. And so something comes out of her heart. What is it? It's, I don't care if you call me a dog. Even dogs eat crumbs from your table. And Jesus said, oh, woman, what's inside of your heart that came out, that's called faith. And that amazes me. And his daughter, I want you to see this. Until you see Until you see a little nine-year-old girl having repeated seizures and eyes rolling back and mute, she can't get out of her bed. Until you see that little girl in that moment scream and come to her right mind, you didn't read it right. Can you imagine the mom coming home? She wasn't home. But the daughter is now in her right mind. And she comes home. Can you imagine that walk home? 
This is Jesus. Oh my gosh, I'm doing so bad on time. <laughs> that was the intro. told you to tell me to go. You didn't, Eleanor. It's too late. <laughs> I knew I was going to have trouble getting through that. <clears throat> okay, you're going to see this. I'm going to leave you with this. We're going to keep going, but so if you keep reading, you think that you think after that one narrative, Jesus is stingy with healing. You can be tempted to think that. You're like, wow, she really had to twist his arm. It's like, is that what I... Is that what I gotta do to see God heal? I mean, that can, you can feel that way too, right? You can feel like, yeah, she's my hero, but man, wow, he seems a little withholding. <clears throat> and then you just keep reading and you're like, it's a little disruptive. So if we keep reading, it says, Jesus went on from there and walked beside the sea and he went up on the mountain and he sat down. Let's try to picture this together. Am I gonna mess you up over there? <laughs> he sat down and great crowds, say great crowds. If you've been to the State Fair of Texas, you can picture this. Bringing with them the lame, picture them. The blind, picture them and their quality of life, blind people. The crippled, the mute, See them among the crowds, many, 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 many people, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and the Bible says, and he healed them. Do you see how abundant Jesus is and how liberal in giving he is with his healing? He healed them among the great crowds. Now, I know many of you are looking at me you're like, okay, great, Jesus is a healer. I believe that. Praise God. <clears throat> so the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Verse 32, then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd. <laughs> hey, Jesus, um, <clears throat> you just healed thousands, and now you're telling me you have compassion? <laughs> because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. This is a three-day healing service on the mountain And Jesus, lest we think Jesus only cares about our spiritual well-being, he's saying, they're hungry. <laughs> oh, we gotta fast, we gotta, there's a place for that. But Jesus knew they were hungry. He didn't call a fast. He wanted to feed them. People need to eat. 
I am unwilling, say unwilling, to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough? Are you listening this morning? Where are we to get enough? Bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd. What did, what did he tell the woman was the bread? Healing. So they're saying, where are we gonna get enough bread? This, I'm submitting to you, is Jesus' way of equipping his church and carrying on his healing ministry. That this miracle that you know here, I believe is an illustration of Jesus' desire, and, and he's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parable and a picture of how the church would walk in the healing ministry of Jesus. So one up, we see Jesus healing folks, right? So we're, everyone's kind of like, he's establishing the fact that he can do it. Everyone, is everyone here good with the fact that Jesus can heal any disease, any time, all the time? He loves it, he likes it. He doesn't like sickness, he hates death. Can we agree on that? He hates devils and he's triumphant over them all. Does everyone on the same page on that? Yes. Now here is where I believe we need to go, church. He invites us in to that place of authority, in to his ability, in to his, the divine substance that has the ability to nourish people, heal people, deliver people, that comes from Jesus, but through the disciples. I'm gonna show you. He says, how many loaves do you have, Brett? Brett, if I were to ask you to heal, I'm saying, Brett, I need you to heal everyone in this room. How many loaves do you have? Do you have enough bread to heal everyone in this room? He says, no, how, how, much, how many people do you think you could heal? How much bread do you have? <laughs> I don't know, he says. Good answer. <laughs> you remember how we started Peter and John? What I do have, I give to you. So somewhere along the journey, Peter, James, and John and the crew go, we don't have enough bread to Acts chapter three, what I do have, I give. I don't know about you. These guys looking at a crippled man being like, hey, do you have what it, did you, I, did you pray? Did you, I don't know. I don't think I have. I don't think I have. This guy with, for this, no. For a headache, maybe. But for this, <laughs> this, no. No, you guys are laughing, but that is true. Some of you, you've seen the headache healed and you're like, oh, give me the headache. I'll be healed. And you're like Smith Wigglesworth on that headache. And then you see, a, you see a crippled person, you're like, mm, mm-mm. Lord, I know you can. Lord, I know you can. And we start praying to God because we know we don't have. <laughs> but he says, what do you have? Now, remember, the need was great. 4,000 men, the need was great. And he says, we have seven loaves and two fish. And the Bible says that Jesus took, everyone say, Jesus took. 
Ooh, he took what they had. He's like, I'm gonna take your bread. What do you have? I'm gonna take it. What measure of faith do you have? We get so hung up by how much faith we have. How much faith do you have? What do, you, do, you, do you have any faith? Do you have any faith? How, what do you have? Do you think it mattered if they had one bread or seven loaves? Do you think he needed seven? He could have taken a crumb and done the same thing. <laughs> he took what they had, he blessed it, he broke it, and then watch this. He gave it to his disciples to give to the people. And so the bread multiplied in their hands to the people. And I don't believe they were passing out bread like this, like, here you go, here you go, here you go. I believe they were looking at the people and going, here you go, wow, here you go, wow, here you go. And they're like looking at each other like, it's not running out every time we give it. Do you, do you understand they saw a miracle with their eyes? They saw bread multiply as they, as they, as they, as they, as they gave. They gave what they had and it multiplied. Ha. <laughs> and the Bible says they all ate. Was anyone hungry? I will kick something right now. Was anyone hungry? And was there just enough? No, there was leftovers, seven basketfuls. So lest you think Jesus is stingy with bread, he's like, watch this. He could have just multiplied enough for the people. Hey, and there was one basketful for the, for the ministry team. No, no, that's not what he's like. And I believe he's teaching about his desire and heart to heal and deliver people. And you say, why, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. He called healing the children's bread. This chapter's not about bread. It's not about bread. If you keep reading, and we're gonna finish here, he says, the, the Pharisees then demand a sign, and then, and then if you keep reading in 16.5, the disciples, they went to the other side of the lake, and they forgot to bring bread. I love this whole narrative. It's not about bread, and yet bread is everywhere in their narrative. And they're like, Jesus says, hey guys, I need you to watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they were like, it's because we didn't bring any bread. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I imagine, he's like, we didn't bring any bread. And he's like, <laughs> and he literally does this. He's like, you faithless people. And what, look, at, look at how he connects the small faith to what? Do you not understand? Do you not remember See, a weak, small faith is because we don't understand and we don't remember. And he says, he says, how many basketfuls did you pick up from the 5,005? 
grace. How many basketfuls did you pick up from the, from the 4,000? Seven, completion. He's like, don't you get it? I'm not talking about bread. It says, then they understood he was speaking of the teaching. The teaching. Teaching is leaven. Teaching will get into your heart and mind and begin to permeate everything you do. What were they teaching? And here's where we're gonna end. They were teaching that you have to be clean before you eat the bread of healing. The religious mindset says you have to be clean. Oh, I gotta clean myself up before I get a miracle from God. No, 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 friends. Huh. This morning, if you're sick, or you have an addiction, or you need deliverance, I want you to stand to your feet. I don't care what it is. I want you to stand to your feet. Look at me, we're not gonna pray. I'm serious, look at me. We get so, we slip into mode. I, I, I don't even know if I have a loaf. But I, but I have more than nothing. I have something. I have something. I don't, I'm not Jesus. Like John and Peter said, they're like, it's not by my own piety or Greatness that this man is crippled, man is healed. That's not what it is. But I would be lying to you if I told you that I did not have God living inside of me. And I know your neighbor and this ministry team that's gonna come up. Y'all wanna come up? Oh, no, no, y'all stay there. I'm gonna pray and then y'all are gonna come up. Listen, I would be lying. I would be dishonest. I would be rejecting the faith of the gospel if I were to tell you that my temple has not become a temple of the Holy Spirit and that God doesn't dwell inside and that there's bread for you. And the Lord knows my heart's posture. My heart's posture is that he would take whatever measure I have this morning, he would break it, and through eye contact, that's why I want you to look at me, I wanna just speak to you. Because when I read the Bible, and again, I, I believe God wants to awaken a new, like a true, authentic healing ministry today, where people who are sick are healed, People who have strongholds are, the power comes and they're delivered. And we're gonna all partake of this. We're gonna all participate in this, but I wanna do this right now. I just wanna speak and I wanna say be healed and be free. Be healed and be free. And just let, let the life of God fill you this morning. Eat of the bread of God. And if it feels like the leaven of like, it can't be this easy, then let it offend you. Be healed. There's bread for you. Be healed. The body of Jesus Christ was broken for you. There's stripes upon his back. And I'm speaking to you not on my own authority, but on the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and by the authority on the stripes on his back. That's what I'm looking at. And I'm speaking to every person in this room that needs deliverance. Every unclean, tormenting spirit causing addiction, anxiety, suicide, go in Jesus' name. 
He loves you. He delights in showing you mercy. It's his good pleasure to heal you. It's right and righteous for you to be healed and delivered this morning. It's right. He paid for it. I bless you to not only know the will of God, but to experience it in full this morning. And I just release his good, pleasing, and perfect will over each and every one of you. And I bless you if your heart's been disappointed, if your heart's been disappointed with loss. Bethany shared this word this morning that like a pocket knife, he would come and just circumcise that disappointment off of your heart. You'd be cleansed this morning. The truth of his word that he is a healer, he's a deliverer, and he loves you. Father, we thank you We thank you, God, that you're not afraid to demonstrate your glory among us. You're not afraid to do the unthinkable among us. And we welcome you, God, even now. If someone's standing around you, can you just put your hand on them? The Bible says, you don't have to pray. The Bible says, those who believe will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And so just a simple act of faith, the body being the body, I want you to just lay your hand. Just a touch. Just a touch. We repent, Lord, of the leaven of the Pharisees that says we have to be clean before we eat. Jesus makes you clean. He's doing it right now. In the simplicity and the humility of the body, being willing to step out upon his word. He's doing it right now. Come on, don't don't be so accustomed to needing a lot of noise and activity for the moving of God. It's a simple act of faith that moves him. Just receive. You can thank him. You can enjoy it. If you experience God touching you, it's a right response. You can say, wow, thank you, Lord. Come on, if you're extending your hand, believe that God gave you something and let him take it and multiply it. Now open your eyes, look at the people praying for you. Just see them, come on, see them. See them partnering with you, believing God with you. How many of you experienced God do something in your, in your body, in your body or in your heart? Come on, raise your hand, look around, look around. Now keep your hand high, keep your hand high. If you experience God, I encourage you. I encourage you to find these people. 
and, and say, what happened to you? Like if someone's around you, lift your hand high again so everyone sees you. And, and if God touched you, testify. Testify. The Bible talks about proclaiming the works of God. And so testify to him. Amen. Isn't God awesome? Can we thank God? Hey, we're going to have the ministry team come up. If you still need prayer, I want to invite you. We're not done. Please go get your kids. But please do not leave here if you still need prayer without these people praying for you. These guys are, are trained sons and daughters of God just to love on you and minister to you. Amen.